Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Are you guys going to watch the Super Bowl later? No? 50-50? Christians don't watch the Super Bowl? All right, whatever. I'm sorry. I won't go there. Um, well, I kind of did. But uh, anyways, I want to tell you guys a quick story. Um, uh, Ruthie and I used to enjoy traveling uh, before we had kids. I don't know if you guys have the same story where, like, you had kids and the, the traveling kind of stopped. Um, but we used to go to a place uh, in Chicago. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, um, Michigan Avenue. And we used to at least go there and pretend like we could afford to buy some of the things that were there, right? Anybody do that? You go there and you're like, ah, I'm going to pretend. And, and so we would, um, you know, I remember she got a couple things and, and I went along with my Starbucks and followed her. And we, we went to a park, I believe it was called Millennial or Millennium or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it was before it was remodeled. And so it was about a mile walk. And Ruthie had um, like platforms or high heels. And, you know, she walks like this when she goes. And <laughs> all the way down to the park. And so we get to this park and there was like three benches and uh, like 10 trees, right? And I was like, darn it, that wasn't a good move. And so I quickly was like, let's, let's go back. Like, let's hurry back. And she's like, well, yeah, that's what we're going to do because now you're, you're cutting into my shopping time. And so we're heading back. And as we're heading back, I'm thinking, let's take a shortcut because that's what you're supposed to do when you messed up like that. And so we're going towards Michigan Avenue. And as I'm watching, I'm seeing the bridge uh, or it turns into a bridge. It's, the street keeps going up and up and up, and we're going further down and down and down so, to the point where when we got to Michigan Avenue, we were probably three or four stories down from the actual street. And um, she's a little bit more mad at me for taking the shortcut, but I, I didn't know what to do. And if you, if you could see underneath the, the uh, street, on the other side was this light right, like from the other side of the street. And so she thinks, I'm done listening to this guy. And she just starts walking underneath the street in the dark, okay? She starts walking in the dark. My eyes are still adjusting, uh, trying to look and see what I can see. And the whole ground is moving, right? And I'm like, why is the ground moving? And sh she has no idea. I mean, she's just, she's just going, right? <laughs> she's going. And I look to my left, and there's a few gentlemen uh, that had some, you know, their gloves were cut right here, and they had their beanies on, and they're standing around the barrel, and they're looking at me and Ruthie like, what are these people doing down here, right? And as my eyes are adjusting, I can see there are people laying everywhere all over the ground, right? Just, they're just all over the place, and Ruthie has no idea. She's just cruising, and I yell, Ruthie, stop! And she turns around, she's like, What? I'm like, come on, it's not the time to argue. I'm saying stop to come, right? So she comes back and she still has no clue. <laughs> These people are all over the place. And I say, give me $5. And she's like, what is the $5 for? And I'm like, give me the $5. I give it to this random dude. I go, tell me how to get out of here. I need to get out of here. We jolt in the elevator. You know, Ruthie's just trailing along with me. She doesn't know where she's going. And we get out of town real quick and... Um, but I, say, I tell you that story to, to let you know that just because you've arrived at a destination or just because you've arrived somewhere doesn't mean it has to be your destination, right? Just because you've gotten to somewhere does not mean you have to stay there. Um, and can I tell you, it's easy to look around 
at the negative in every situation. Can you guys agree, like, job situation right now, you know, like, you're looking at your job and you're like, man, I hate my job, I can't stand the people I work with, or like, I'm tired of Zooming, as if that was a word, right? I'm tired of doing the Zoom thing with people, I'm tired of looking at a computer screen, I'm tired of this, or you could look at the economy and you're like, man, the economy is the worst economy we've ever seen, right? Which you could be right about that, that's a good negative to look at, and maybe it's a bad economy right now. Or you could look at the news. Uh, have you guys ever had somebody walk up to you and they're like, hey, have you seen the news lately? And usually when they say that, I'm like, uh, no, I haven't seen it because I don't know what you're about to tell me. I don't know where you got your news, if it was like a Facebook post or something, or if it was something you saw on social media somewhere, or if you saw it on the 5 o'clock or the 10 o'clock, or you saw it like in a newspaper. What do you mean when you say, did you see the news? Like, what story are we talking about? Um, or you could be negative about the generation, right? Like, oh, this generation is so dumb right now, right? Like everybody's like, this generation, they don't, what are we gonna, what are we doing with this generation? What, what's gonna happen? And uh, they don't even know what like a landline is or a phone book. They don't know what those things are, right? Meanwhile, the people that are asking about the landlines and phone books are asking the younger people how to help them with their computer, right? And then they're just like, what are we gonna do with this world? Um, but literally every situation uh, we run into, we, we can find some kind of negative. I remember this job that I had, my boss came behind me and he would check my work and I would always get frustrated because he would find little things that, uh, that I did wrong and I would just be like, oh, I'm so disappointed, like you found something else. And he told me, he said, Matt, he said, anybody can find the negative. Like if you come behind somebody and you're really good at what you do and you're checking somebody else's work, you can always find the negative. And I'd say the same thing about life. Right, like anything in life, uh, you can always find the negative if you're looking for it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the uh, the story about the two little kids that were up in the cabin with the grandparents, right? And uh, the grandma's out; she's reading a book, and the grandpa, he's falling asleep in his bedroom, and he's got a big caterpillar mustache. You guys know what those are? Those huge mustaches, right? They're like this big, and. Uh, the little kids, they went and got some Munster cheese, the real stinky, right, potent cheese, and they walk into the bedroom, and they take this cheese, and they rub it all over the grandfather's mustache. That's how big his mustache is, right? And they're rubbing it all over, and um, they, they run in the closet, and they're hiding, and they're giggling, and the grandpa wakes up, and he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, man, this room stinks, right? And then he gets up, and he peeks his head out the hallway, and he goes, Man, he's like, this hallway stinks. Then he goes out to the living room, and he takes a big whiff, right, right where the grandma's at, and he goes, he's like, man, this whole house stinks. And then he steps outside, right, and where the trees are up in the cabin, and he takes a big sniff, and he goes, man, this whole world stinks. <laughs> right? And I say that to say that literally, if you're looking for the negative in every situation, you'll always find it. Romans 8.28 uh, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I'm about to drop some mad revelation on you guys. You guys know what mad revelation is? R mad knowledge, mad revelation. It's like something really good. I'm about to give you something really good. So the words all things, all right, are you guys sitting down, everybody ready for this? All things in the Greek and not just any Greek, but the original Greek. And when I say Greek, what that means is, is it means something you haven't looked up before I did, and now you're not going to be able to argue with me because I looked up the Greek before you, okay? <laughs> so when I say all things, all things in the Greek means all things, 
okay? It actually, it really does. It actually means pas, which means all or each and everything. How many of you guys, or like every, every little iota, you guys ever heard that iota word? Like my mom, you know, she'd say, if you didn't clean your room, you're not going to get one iota of this, right? Whatever I wanted, okay? But iota is a Greek word, and when it, if you look it up, the origin of it, it goes all the way back to the book of Matthew, um, and it means tiny amount or the finest detail. And what I want you to know is God is interested and the smallest amount of your life, the good, the bad, or the indifferent. And he loves to turn it around for your good. He loves to turn whatever that thing is around for your good. So let's read Romans 8.28 and the Passion Translation, and it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Right? And did you know... Here's what I'll tell you. Did you know far before you knew God, he was working his plan into your life? Did you guys realize that? Far before you knew who God was, far before you even had an inkling of who God was, he was working his plan into your life. I remember when I was growing up, I moved a lot, right? I moved all over the place. Um, a lot of time when I'll meet uh, military brats, like I have like this commonality, like they don't know what, why, but we're just kind of the same kind of person. And the reason why is from kindergarten to 12th grade, um, I moved pretty much every single year. Like we moved schools, we moved cities. Sometimes we would move multiple times in the middle of a year, right? I remember in eighth grade, I moved to three different schools um, to, in three different cities. And so I was constantly trying to learn how to adapt. Um, to the point, I remember in ninth grade, uh, a girl found out that I was going to... Um, this school, and she was in my eighth grade class, so she found me, she waited to the end of her lunch, and she found me at the beginning of my lunch, and she literally said, hey, Matt, follow me, and I walked with her, and she knew I didn't know anybody, and she sat me with these group of friends. She sat me with these people, and I'm just sitting down, I'm traumatized. She goes, Matt, these are your new friends, and new friends, this is Matt. You're going to get to know each other. And what's crazy is I'm still friends with those same friends to this day, right? Still friends with those guys. Um, but it was really kind of traumatic growing up like that. It was really kind of uh, just unusual. And, and I, I felt like it was a curse. I felt like, what is going on in my life? Why am I constantly moving? What's going on? It wasn't until I was in ministry, years later, as an adult, that I figured out that I had developed a gift. I could talk to anybody. I, was, I, I didn't have fear of who I'm talking to. And I'm like, I just learned to adapt. I learned to find something in common in some form or fashion, right? Um, but I say that it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that I thought was healthy for me, but one day I figured out that God had put that and he had orchestrated that and he had weaved that into my life. 1 Corinthians one twenty six through 31, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. This is talking really good about us right now, if you, if you can take it in. It says, not many of you were of noble birth. He's really building us up. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. See, this scripture is great. 
But when you're going through hard times, here's what I'm going to tell you you're never thinking. You're never going to think, man, I'm so glad I'm in this situation because I'm not going to be able to boast one day. I'm not going to be able to brag. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm going through this hard time because, man, God's going to get all the glory. He's going to get the glory for this situation. I'm so excited, God. You put me in this situation, right? Nobody is thinking that. If you are, we'll talk. Um, I need to know something from you. So, um, so, no, what you're thinking is you're thinking, man, this day stinks. Man, I cannot wait till this day is over. I can't wait till I get over to the other side, right? When is this day going to be over? How many of you have ever had bad days? Anybody ever had bad days in here? Like, like if you're not raising your hand right now, it's probably because you're in the middle of a bad day and you don't know that it's happening right now. So I'm just letting you know it's probably a bad day. So, um, but let me read to you a story about a guy named Jairus um, who was having a really bad day. Uh, Mark 5, 21 through 43. It says, Jesus went back to the other side of the lake in the boat. There a large crowd of people gathered around him on the shore, and a leader of the synagogue came, and his name was Jairus. He saw Jesus and bowed down before him, and he begged Jesus again and again and said, My little daughter is dying. Please come lay your hands on her. When she, um, then she will be healed and, and will live. So Jesus went to Jairus, and many people followed Jesus. They were pushing very close around him, and there among the people was a woman who had been bleeding for the past 12 years, another person having a bad day, right? She had suffered very much. Many doctors had tried to help her, and all the money she had, she would, um, she had was spent, and she was not improving. In fact, her sickness was getting worse. The woman heard about Jesus, so she followed him with the other people and touched his coat. She thought, if I can touch his clothes, that will be enough to heal me. As soon as she touched his coat, her bleeding stopped. She felt that her body was healed from all the suffering, and Jesus immediately fell, felt power go out of him. So he stopped and turned around, and he said, Who touched my clothes? He asked. The followers said to Jesus, There are so many people pushing against you, but you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus continued looking for the one who touched him, and the woman knew that she was healed, and she came and bowed at Jesus' feet, and she was shaking with fear. She told Jesus her whole story. Now, I laugh because it says that she told the whole story, right? And, it, it, like, you think of whole story, like, was whole story, like, the last five minutes? What, I mean, and you don't really know what type of person is this. It could have been the last 12 years, right? Or it could have been the whole story, like, the whole story of her life. We really don't know. It just says he told the whole story. And uh, you know Jai Jairus is freaking out at this point, right? Like, you know he's losing his mind. He's like, like, we were on the way to somewhere, and this woman went ahead and stole the power first, and I'm really kind of mad about it, and now she's telling you her whole story. Like, let's speed it up. Like, let's get it going. Like, okay, we told the whole story, right? You know he's losing a little bit because the daughter's sick, and it said that she was so sick that she might die. So he said to her, dear woman, you, have made, uh, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace, and you will not suffer anymore. And while Jesus was there speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher. But Jesus did not care what the men said. He said to the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. 
And Jesus let only Peter, James, and John and the brother of James go with him, and they went to the synagogue leader's house, where Jesus saw many people crying loudly, and there was a lot of confusion, and he entered the house and said, why are you people crying and making so much noise? This child is not dead, she is only sleeping. But everyone laughed at him, and Jesus told the people to leave the house, and then he went into the room where the child was, and he brought the child's father and mother and his three followers into the room with him, and then Jesus held the girl's hand and said to her, Talitha Komi, which means little girl, I tell you to stand up, and the girl immediately stood up and began walking, and she was 12 years old, and the father and mother and the followers were amazed." Jesus gave the father and mother very strict orders not to tell the people about this. Then he told them to give the girl some Chick-fil-A with a a little bit of uh, Chick-fil-A sauce so that you can dip the fries in it and put a little bit on there and maybe a Coke Zero, whatever she wanted, right? But what's interesting about this story is the whole thing is really a hot mess. The whole thing's a disaster. I mean, if Jairus You know, like, if I were him, I'd be freaking out, and with good reason. He had every reason to be freaking out. Why? Because his daughter had just died. In fact, Jesus seemed to have been taking his time and, in a sense, made the situation worse. He probably got himself either a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks on the way, depending on what side of the road he was on, right? But I'm sure Jairus was like, well, my wife said to go get the healer, and Jesus, you are supposed to be the healer, and now you're trying to find out where your power left you. I mean, is there some kind of like charge time for this? Like, what do you mean you're looking for your power? Like, you're Jesus, you're the healer. And like, you're asking about your power virtue going out. So tell me like, what, is there a charge time for this? Is it gonna be the next day? Is it gonna be a couple hours? Like, cause we gotta get to my daughter, right? And I would love to give you guys three points and a poem to this story, but that's not how a crisis works. You guys realize that, right? Like when you're in a crisis, it just, you can't think through enough the situations. You can't have plan A, plan B, plan C, because usually by the time you get to plan C, uh, B messed up and A messed up, right? Um, But there's always things you didn't factor in. And what I love about what Jesus said to the dad is he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Verse 36, he says, don't be afraid, just believe. And why would Jesus not want him to be afraid? It's because when you begin to become afraid, you can't see two feet in front of you. You can't see very far down the road. All you see is the mess. All you see is the disaster. You think, well, we may as well stay here. You can't see through the devastation. And um, my daughter's dead, and she's dead. She wasn't dead, but now she's dead, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Right? And I, I have a, just a random question, this rhetorical question. You know, what has died in your life? Like, what, what does not look like it can be, be repaired? What does not look like that you can fix? Right? And I love that Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just because you've become afraid, don't stay there. And like I said earlier, just because you have arrived somewhere doesn't mean it has to be the destination. In other words, don't set up camp in the land of disappointment. And and when I think about that, it would have been so weird if we went to Michigan Avenue, right? And I was like, well, we, we got here, Ruthie. Uh, you bought some gloves. Let me snip those gloves off. We'll put them on. I'll put you over by the fire, right? I'll let you warm up. And I'm not making fun of people that are going through a hard time. Or, But what, 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 how strange would it have been if I was like, hey, man, can you move over? Because I'm here. You kind of took my spot. I sh- this should have been my spot, and you're there, and now I need you to scoot over a little bit, right? But you don't set up camp, in the land of devastation. You don't set up there. You move, you move forward. Um, on that day, even though there were, there were dark times, right, Jesus didn't look at the little girl as a dead end, but he saw through the mess to the other side. Romans 8.28, 
We're going, to, we're going to go back to that. And it says, and we know that all things work together for, for good, right? That word know, in the Greek, it means oida, not to be confused with iota, but it says to properly see. It's when seeing becomes a knowing, when there is a constant bridge to mental, to the spiritual, and seeing, right? In order to know that you know that you know, you have to begin to build a bridge over the gap from the mental realm to the spiritual realm. And truth is, every dark day comes with an opportunity to build a bridge from death to life. I want to tell you guys a story um, that happened in the year 2000. I was a fairly new believer, and I kind of gave you guys my testimony um, just about some of the um, poverty times that we went through uh, in high school. And uh, I remember my mom had decided uh, she was going to go all out for February 14th, uh, Valentine's Day, right? Uh, in the year 2000. And so she did whatever she could. She told us, like, hey, I want you guys to be at the house at this time. And uh, she, she set the table really nice. She got the nicest um, tablecloth that she could find in the house. She got all the nice silverware and all the nice everything. She even lit the candles for us kids, right? And uh, she grilled out. I know you guys are getting hungry, but she grilled out uh, some ribeye steak, okay? I don't know if you guys like ribeye steak, but she went all out. I mean, when she brought the plate in, the plate was like this high, right? And I'm like, what are we going to do with all that steak? I have no idea. And there's potatoes and the asparagus and all the other good stuff, right? And we didn't do this very often. And I remember um, we're sitting across from each other, like the siblings and everything. And this is usually how it worked, right? Uh, I ha I'm not going to name which sister it was because they may come here one day. But uh, one of my sister's always stirred up a ruckus, right? Like she always stirred up a big drama at the table. And I usually didn't start it, but I always finished it, if that makes any sense, right? Like, like you, you, my, you know, our mom did this and like, look at the way you're acting and I cannot believe all that. And uh, so anyways, the whole dinner, I mean, I think we had two bites out of our ribeye steak and all this stuff. The whole dinner was ruined. Somebody, I think, knocked over water. Everything was just nasty and ridiculous. And we all, like, went to our own rooms. That's kind of how the Seiferts did is whenever we, whenever we were upset with each other, we went to our own rooms, right? Like, we're not talking. We're not going to work this out. We're going to go get a break, um, which was probably the best thing. So I remember um, after that, my sister walked up to me, the same one. She walked up, and she goes, hey, can you take me to the gas station? I'm like, yeah, because that's what... I, you know, you do for your sibling when they just cause a big ruckus is you take them to the gas station. Um, and I thought maybe I'll be able to cool off. And so we walk outside, we get in my mom's Astro van, which I don't know if you guys know what an Astro van is, but they're not an Aerostar and they're not an Odyssey. They are the Astro van, which was the best van of the 90s, just so you know. Um, so we get in the van and my sister's sitting up front with me and we get up to the gas station. And as I'm pulling up to the gas station, I see this guy on the side of the building, right? And I pull into the parking spot, and my sister gets out. She usually takes 20 or 30 minutes to, uh, to go to the gas station. I don't know why. I have no clue what she's doing in there, but she's going to take 20 or 30 minutes. Okay, so I'm just like, I know I'm parked there for the long haul. I put it in park. And I'm sitting there. I don't know if you guys ever had these conversations with Alora, but I'm sitting there. And at, right as I was pulling up, I saw this guy that had his head low, and he looked up, he saw us, and then he put his head back down. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, listen to the Lord, and the Lord was like, you need to go say hi to that guy. I was like, I don't, need to, I don't need to go say hi to that guy. Like, I'm waiting on my sister, and like, why would I go say hi to a guy when I'm waiting on my sister? And he goes, you need to go say hi to that guy. I'm like, I'm not going to go say hi to that guy. I'm just letting you know, God. And then you want to know how it went. I put it in reverse. I back over to the side. And I just, I'm like, I'm far away. I'm trying to, like, just kind of wave, like, hey, you know, like, I'm doing what God told me to do. 
And I wave at the guy, and no joke, the guy looked up, he saw me wave, and he jumps up, and he runs over to the van, right? And I'm like, oh, what's happening? I'm about to get robbed. I don't know what's happening, right? And he gets over to the van, and he's like, and he, and he had been going door to door and selling, like, vacuums. I don't know what he was selling. He was selling something. And uh, so he's going door to door, and uh, he lost his voice, so his voice was, like, super raspy. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, he's like, I'm waiting on my ride. And that was back before uh, there was like cell phones and, th and there wasn't a pay phone at the gas station. So he had to come back to my house and use a landline, which is a home phone, just so you guys know. So he gets in the car, right? I'm like, yeah, you just come back to my house. We're just around the corner. He gets in the car, just so you know, I don't do this very often. This, I've only done it a couple times. So he gets in the car and my sister walks out, right? And she sees this guy that's in the car and my sister's like freaked out. She opens the door and he has this voice that's lost. And uh, he goes, hi, right? <laughs> And my sister was freaked out, man. So she doesn't even say anything. She goes to the back of the van and just sits there, and she's eye eyeballing me with the, the mirror. You know, she sees me, and I'm just like, whatever, you know. And so we go back to my, my house where the ruined evening was, and, of course, my sister jumps out, and she jolts in, right? I'm like 18, 19 years old. She's going in there to go tell on me. I'm like, come on now. And so I, you know, I get the, I get the phone out, the landline, because it had a long cord, and I could put it outside and let the guy make the phone call, and I walk in, I go to explain to my mom, like, what's going on, and she's like, oh, she's like, see if you want some steak and potatoes, and I was like, okay, so I walk the steak, I'm like, hey, you want to eat steak potatoes, and he's like, sure, so I give him the, I got Batman, right, it sounds like Batman, so give him the steak and potatoes, and I mean, by the time I went to go back and explain to my mom uh, what had, you know, what was going on, um, I came back out to check on him, and the, the steak and potatoes were gone. I mean, he, he cleared the plate in two seconds. And um, so I go put the plate back in there. My mom's like, you should tell him, like, about Jesus. And I was like, ah, no, I'm not going to talk to him about Jesus. Like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to talk to him about that. I gave him a ride. That was good enough. <laughs> right? So I get in the car, um, and we start heading back. And I'm like, I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus, okay? Like, I was new. I'm like, I, I know that, like, the way I thought was, like, when you die, like, where are you going to go, right? Like, what's going to happen when you die? And so I just ask him that question. I, I'm like, hey, I'm like, so I'm like, do you know where you're going to go, like, when you die, right? And with that strong, raspy voice, he goes, yes. And I was like, okay, where, where are you going to go? And he's like, hell. I was like, <laughs> right? So anyway, so I... Uh, I tried to, uh, I was like, well, I was like, just so you know, you don't have to go to hell. <laughs> and it was really awesome because I was able to lead him to the Lord by just sharing him like the good news, right? Just telling him like Jesus came so, and he paid for our sins, so you don't have to. And I, I get it that that's where you thought that you were on the way to, but you don't have to go there. And it was so neat because like at the end, you know, I look over as I'm praying for him and he's just got tears rolling, you know, he's just crying and I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. And then he's holding my hand, you know, tough guy. He's old man. He's like, can I pray for you? You know, I was like, yeah, it was, it was beautiful, right? It was just amazing, an awesome moment that, that we just had where he's crying and then now he's making me cry because he's praying for me. And, and I remember thinking, man, like this night looked like it was going to be devastating. It looked like the worst night. Like here, my mom, you know, she tried really hard to make this night and there's steak all stacked up and it's looking like it's going to get wasted. And we're able to feed somebody steak and give them Jesus all in the same night. I'm like, that's the best night. I don't know. Steak and Jesus, like it doesn't get better than that, right? Everybody's going to go get steak after. So, um, but, um, and my question is what's in your life that seems it can't be turned around, right? Why, what looks like a waste? Um, what seems broken that can't be fixed? 
And how many of us at times in our lives have wondered, where is God in all of this, right? Where is God in all of this? I know 2020 literally felt like that. Like, where the heck is God? Um, and I write this down. I know it's a slogan, but it says, see, God loves to turn a victim into a victor. He loves to turn a mess into a message. He loves to turn a wasteland into a promised land, a trial into a triumph. But there will always be the naysayers. There will always be the negative ninnies. And forgive me if your name's Karen, but there will always be the Karens, right? Some of you guys know that saying. Um, but look back at Mark 5.35. It says, while Jesus was still there speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, daughter, or your daughter is dead, right? And I love that it, it said that Jesus didn't even care what they had to say. He didn't even respond to it, right? And right after that moment, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Another translation said, don't listen to them, just trust me, right? And why would Jairus trust him? It's because Jesus was with him. That's why he's saying, trust me, I'm with you, right? I'm gonna take care of this. And it's the same reason that we should trust him because God is concerned about all things in our lives, every iota, every jot and tittle, right? And he wants us to know that he is working all things together to make something beautiful. Even when everyone else sees darkness, he wants us to see light. When people are saying, man, everything is dead, he wants us to say, nope, everything's just sleeping. And it's not a denial of reality. It's just saying, but God is with us. And he is. He is the storm calmer. He is the water walker. He is the sick healer. He is the life giver. He is the restorer. He is the dead raiser. And Jesus is saying, Talitha Komi, daughter, arise. Son, arise. Wake up. Today I speak over us here at Grace Church, right? In this room, there are spiritual giants. I don't know how you look at yourself. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through right now. Um, but I want you to know there are spiritual giants in here. And God sees you like that. And he says, rise up, wake up. And I've got a scripture I just want to quote. Um, it's a declaration scripture. Um, I love it because it's Paul talking to the Ephesian church. And um, it's Ephesians 5, 13 through 14. And he says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whosoever doeth make manifest is light. And therefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead and Christ will give thee light. In other words, we can't hit the snooze button, y'all. Like God has, I believe during this time that I've gone through some stuff, man, just personally, I, I want you to know like there was a time in my life recently that I was just spiraling, I was spiraling and I was like, where, where am I going with this? And I hit this rock and I, like I hit the bottom of it and I thought, what did I just hit? And when I stood up, I saw Jesus standing there with me. And I want you to know, like, that's the cool part about Jesus being your foundation. That's the cool part about setting him as the rock. It's like, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Jesus is your rock, and he's going to carry you through anything that you're going through in the life. It doesn't matter what kind of mess you're seeing with your natural eyes. I want you to know God sees something beautiful. He sees the light. He says, don't set up camp in the, in the land of dis disappointment. Stand up, brush your knees off, and let's get on with this thing. Amen? Let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you, God, for everybody that's in here, God. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy, God. We thank you, God, for you see light. 
when everybody sees darkness, God. You see life when people see death. And God, help us to, to speak life into situations. God, help us to see the good that can come out of all things, God. And I, I trust you that you're showing us that, God. I trust you that you're doing good things in our life because we love you and we are called according to your purpose, Father. And uh, so thank you, God, for just goodness and your mercy that follows us wherever we go. And we trust in you, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.